Lord Jesus, we want you to take our whole lives, our hands, our legs, our voice, our mind, and use them as a sacrifice of praise to you for what you've done. Lord, we confess that we don't always know how to worship you aright, but we pray that you would open your word to us this morning and teach us from it so that we can be your people. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. A few years ago, two college students shadowed me one Sunday because their professor had given them an assignment to study someone who had an unusual career. And as a pastor, I was unusual. They followed me all Sunday, and when they saw one of them had, I should tell you, one of them had never been to church before in her whole life. In fact, she had actually never even known anyone who had been to church before. Uh, which is more common than you think. Well, when they finished watching what I did on a Sunday morning, this particular person who'd never been to church asked me the first question out of her mouth. She said, well, why do you sing? Which I thought was a great question. If you'd never been to church before and came in and saw a group of people get together and then sing, you might wonder what it was all about. And then someone talks for a long time. And then you sing some more. And apparently there's a charge for this experience because you have to put money in a plate at the end. (laughs) What is this thing we do called worship? This is the fourth sermon in a series on what the church is supposed to be. And one of the church's top priorities is to provide for the worship of God. Because everything we do as Christians flows from our worship of God and because we as human beings were designed to worship our Creator. And if we don't worship Him, we'll worship something else. But there's probably nothing so alien-looking to people who don't go to church as what we do on a Sunday. And there's probably nothing more in contention these days within the church than how we do this thing called worship. As many of you know, all over the country, churches are tearing themselves apart over what kind of music should be played in worship. Contemporary, traditional, whatever names you want to give it. There's even a shorthand term for it. Many of you know it. It's called the Worship Wars, which is an oxymoron if ever I heard one. (laughs) Now, I want to say I am glad that we have never had worship wars in this church, and I don't think we ever will. And before I go any further in this sermon, let me just say that this sermon is not a prelude to some major change we're going to do here. Okay? Oh, there. Okay. I I know what you all have been saying since I came here. I know. California. Forty-two. Mm-hmm. We're not making any major changes, so you can enjoy the rest of the sermon. (laughs) Now, that statement probably delights many of you and disappoints others. And that would be the issue. We all have strong opinions, myself included, about what worship should look like. And in fact, for many of us, our favorite Sunday afternoon sport is called Critique the Worship Service. (laughs) It's a team sport if you've never played it. The more people that play, the more fun it is. The only problem is it's hard to keep score, and you never know who wins. 
But I've played it. You know, I've said things like, oh, I didn't like that service, that sermon was dull, I was bored, and that's just when I'm preaching. <laughs> As one elder told me this week, he grew up in a home where every Sunday lunch always included roast preacher. But worship is way more than the songs we sing or the sermons we hear. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, and this is your spiritual act of worship. Now that tells me a couple of things. The first is this. Worship is a response to who God is and what he's done. Paul uses the word therefore in this verse, and Whenever there's a therefore, find out what it's there for. It's a response word. And before this verse, Paul has gone on and on about the mercy of God, the love of God, that he was willing to die for us, to save us. And he says, therefore, in view of those mercies, and by the power of those mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see, worship is a response to God's mercy and God's love. And part of what we do here in music and in sermon every Sunday is to remind us of how loving God is so that we can respond in praise. Worship is a response. But it's more than that because it's not just any old response. Worship is an active, not a passive response. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice sounds active to me. Worship isn't something we watch. It's something we participate in, and that's why we sing. We sing in part because God commands it throughout the Bible, but also because it involves us, all of us, our voice, our minds, our body, soul, spirit. And it's something we can do together, which builds community. And even when someone else is doing the singing or the praying, we should pray along or meditate on the words. Worship is active. That's why, personally... I, I think clapping is appropriate in worship. In the Bible, people used to clap when they agreed about something or when they were victorious. So when we clap, we're not applauding a performance. We're saying, I agree. Hallelujah. Jesus is good. You know, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> worship is an active response to who God is. But it's more than even that. It's more than even that. Worship is an active response to who God is in which we give him our whole lives. The text says to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, not just our ideas or our heads or our minds. Our bodies, and what that means is all of us. To give God everything we've got, our time, our money, our days, our physical life. As the hymn says, take my arms, my legs, my voice, use them for your glory. You see, worship is what we give our time and our energy and our attention to. And by that definition, we worship a lot of things, don't we? Our careers, money, reputation. We even worship worship. Show me your calendar and your checkbook and I'll show you your God. True biblical worship is when we give our time, energy, our whole lives to Jesus Christ. That's why we take an offering. It's not just a fancy fundraising. We take an offering because in a culture that worships money, when we drop that check in the plate, we're saying, everything I've got is yours. 
Use it. I worship you, God, not money. A few weeks ago, a homeless man wandered in off the streets looking for help here. But none of the pastors were here that day because, I assure you, we were off working very hard somewhere else. Promise. When he found that out, he left, but, but our receptionist ran out after him and said, wait, no, come in, we'll find someone for you. And she took care of him. That's worship, even though it happened on a Tuesday. <laughs> when we serve a neighbor in need, when we take a day of Sabbath, in spite of pressures not to, when we talk to someone who's hurting and point them to Christ, we worship. Now, that doesn't mean that we still don't need to come here on a Sunday. God commands us to meet together regularly, and we need to hear his word proclaimed and taught. And worship is meant to be communal because we need each other. The log that rolls away from the fire stops burning. We still need to be here, but what it, what it does mean is that worship isn't just about what we do here on a Sunday. It happens when we give our whole lives to God, which leads me to the deepest sense of worship of all. Worship is not about us. It's about God. Worship happens when we forget about ourselves and focus on God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't always come to a Sunday morning worship service focused on God. You know, I don't always walk in here sort of in a transcendent mood, trailing clouds of glory behind me. No, no. I come fully focused on me, my needs, my wants, my problems. What does Scott want today? See if any of this, any of this sounds familiar. The alarm goes off on a Sunday morning and you realize that unlike Saturday, you can't lounge around. Why? You get to go worship God. You wake the kids up. They're just as happy about it as you are. <laughs> get them dressed, fed, rushed out the door. You finally get here and begin your search for a really prime parking spot, and you find one, but just as you're about to pull in, someone darts in ahead of you. You'd like to honk, but you've got a Christian bumper sticker and you're going to church, so <laughs> you nod and give them the, I suppose Jesus loves you too, smile, and look for another parking spot, which you find all the way at the end of the lot by Bellevue Way. And as you get there, you wonder, have I crossed any county lines to get here? <laughs> as you trudge up the vast parking lot, usually in the rain, you realize that your senior pastor was right. It would have been easier to park at Bellevue Christian and take the shuttle. <laughs> Newly resolved to always listen to your pastor, you come in and find a seat in the sanctuary, and now you're ready to worship God, right? Our lives are surrounded by the trivial, the trying, the tempting, and the tiresome. But worship happens when, as an act of our will, we forget about ourselves, our problems, our desires, our tastes, whatever it is. Forget about those things and turn our focus to God. That's why we begin each service with quiet, to focus on God. That's why we read scripture, to remind us of who God is. That's why we have a wonderful choir that sings anthems, to remind us of God. And sometimes they're upbeat, to remind us of the joy of knowing Jesus. And sometimes they're quiet and meditative to help us reflect on who he is. 
You see, here's the deal. When we're running around all week long, crazy, busy, or when we're coming in here, here's what's going on in heaven. 24-7-52 on into eternity. The angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. And when they see Jesus, they bow down. Now, we're down here rushing around and doing our thing, but all we need to do is join our voice to theirs. And when we do, that's worship. Worship is an active response to who God is in which we give him our whole lives and focus only on him. When I first started attending my church in California, I didn't like the worship there. I was a traditionalist at heart. I mean, you know, Ph.D. in English, King's English, all that stuff. And that church had a blended worship style, some traditional, some contemporary. And whenever they sang contemporary songs, I'd get irritated. Well, one day we were singing a contemporary song, and I didn't like it. But I looked up and I saw in front of me a man with tears rolling down his face, singing out his devotion to God. And I had a stab of conscience. And I thought, okay, this song doesn't really do it for me, but it does it for him. And it's only going to last a couple of minutes, so (laughs) really. I know you think it's going to keep going, but it'll only last a couple of minutes. So why can't I just for a couple of minutes bear with it so that he can have his moment where he can worship God in a language of praise that makes sense to him? And I realized in that moment that I was experiencing bad worship, but not because the music was bad, but because my heart was. And that while you can't find anything in the Bible that indicates that God prefers one kind of music over another, you can find a lot of places where God tells people that even though the form of their worship is absolutely correct, it's wrong, because their hearts are unloving toward each other. And I realized that while I was sitting there focused on the music, he was focused on God. And that's where I should have been. Well, after that, I began to sing those songs as if I really meant it. And I started to forget more and more about me and turn my attention to God. And wouldn't you know, the worship got a lot better there. (laughs) Because I was actively responding to who God was and what he had done in my life. And I was giving him my whole life. And I was learning to focus on him, not me. And out of that experience, I began to open myself up to all kinds of different worship styles. Because I realized that different people have different languages of praise. And that part of being a community, like I talked about last week, is, is sacrificing for each other. And that, that surely the power that kept Jews and Gentiles together in the Bible can keep hymn singers and praise chorus singers together. And that if worship means being a living sacrifice, I need to sacrifice something. And now I am a multilingual worshiper. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's about Jesus, I can worship. And I am glad to be a part of a church that has both. And again, let me remind you, not making any changes, no changes, it's okay. But the bottom line is this. It, It isn't about us. Whatever style it's in, it's about God. It is about a God who created a billion galaxies and yet still calls you by name. A God who knew you before you were born and who came in the flesh in the person of Jesus, just to find you, and who hung on a cross and died to reconcile us to himself, and who loves you just as you are without one plea except that Christ's blood was shed for you, warts and all, he loves you. And the only response, in view of all of that, the only response can be 
to take our lives, our everyday, normal, messed up, sinful, full of doubts, trials and tribulations, life, and give it to God and say, take me, I'm yours. That's worship. Several years ago at a church in England, the pastor began to notice that his congregation was more attached to the music than they were to God. And so he and his elders prayed about it, and they decided to suspend all music for six months. And at the end of those six months, so that, the, so that they could sort of reconnect with the Lord of the music rather than the music. We're not going to do that here. At the end of the six months, they, they brought the music back. Only now it had new meaning. And, and out of that experience, he wrote a song called The Heart of Worship. And the refrain says, Lord, I'll give you more than a song. Because a song in itself is not what you've required. You look much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Lord, it is all about you. And what you have done. And Lord, as we continue to worship you, please help us turn our attention from whatever we brought in here today and put it on you. Lord, in view of your mercies, in view of how much you've loved us, in view of all the great things that you have done, help us praise you and give you the glory, for you alone are worthy. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.